This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. Your, I feel like we still are saying new year, new me, but the goals are rocking. Like we're still, we're still hanging in there with like, I was trying not to call them resolutions. They were intentions um, this year, um, but we'll see. They're, they're still rolling. Uh, today, I am joined uh, by KETV sports reporter, Ellie French. Ellie, thank you for being on the show. How are you? I'm great. I'm honored to be on this. I was telling you before we started recording, it's been a, a minute since I've been able to jump on a podcast and they're, they're so fun. I love doing them. It's just so much more fun to kind of free talk. And I've become such an avid podcast listener just from like long drives or even the drive from Omaha to Lincoln often. So I'm, I, I'm, it's great. I'm excited to, to join. Good. So I'm very happy to have you. So now you have, now that you said that, because, and I feel like I always have to ask someone this, um, for people that do that Omaha to Lincoln drive on a consistent basis have to have solid podcasts. So give me a podcast or two uh, recommendations. Oh gosh. Well, I, so, and during the football season, I had a coworker tell me that I had to listen to Chicken Nick. So okay. that became my, my big thing. And it was the perfect timing because like I could finish an episode either driving there or driving back from Lincoln to Omaha. So that one became honestly my bread and butter. And it was okay. so fun because it was like listening to them. Like it was kind of lighthearted yeah. where they kind of, you know, they made it funny because they're just both hilarious guys and they have just the funniest little drops in it too. But it was kind of a nice, like breath of fresh air on a Monday listening to it. Cause that's normally what I would like after a game weekend, because you're a little obviously sad of a close loss and this and that, and right. just mistakes made and they touch upon that, but then they also just make it very lighthearted and fun. So right. I listened to them a lot. I haven't honestly listened to podcasts as much as of recent, but I also um, like listening to um, there's one called career stories, which is a girl and she just kind of interviews people in the industry, like in, uh-huh broadcasting whether it's at the network level or just doing unique stuff so that's always kind of fun to hear as someone like industry just kind of what people's career stories are because I've I've realized I love like learning about people and their stories and and how they got to where they are so that one's kind of fun but um I also want to start listening to more of um CJ McCollum's podcast he has like pull up the pull up podcast I've I heard about that and I have not listened to it either and it's on my list to to check out yeah I just really like him and I love the idea of athletes having podcasts I just think that's really cool because you get to hear their voice and I know he did I think he's been on like paternity leave maybe because I know his wife just had a baby like they just had a baby um and I know he had DeMar DeRozan on like recently and so I kind of want to like listen to that because I think I think they're both just great so um 
Yeah, so I lo- I want to listen to the pull up pod. That's like next on the list. So okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to write both of those. I'm gonna have- so Chick and Nick is actually in kind of the Herdat family. Um, they're, they're kind of in house um, yes. with us, so that actually that works. That, that's a great pod. Those other two, I had not the career stories is one that I am very much like you in that way, where I like to hear about people's journeys and and kind of how they got there because you always, also you always learn something, um, right. and it's never quite the way that you thought. Like if if you see like insert like major network person here like when you see them on tv or like hear their radio show or whatever you have you have this preconceived notion of how they got there um right. and it's never quite that way right like you always find out that there was a lot more um to that uh than you really realize yeah no it is cool and you get to hear kind of their just ex- like the small stories of maybe just like interactions they had or certain things that didn't go their way in the career and then like what they learned from it so that's always inspiring because nothing's perfect and so it's fun to to hear from them and like how they overcame certain adversity or just obstacles in their career and got to where they are and so I I just feel like I'm one of those people that gravitate toward like also reading like biographies and autobiographies like I just love learning about people's stories so it's fun to to do that and I I tend to gravitate like towards sports books a ton obviously and so um but I actually like um I haven't read any sports ones as of recent, but like obviously a big 49er fan. So I like read Bill Walsh's book last year. And so that was really fun to, uh-huh. to do that. But yeah, just it's it's great just hearing about people. People are interesting. It's always fun hearing stories. <laughs> right, definitely. Um, now, each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. Uh, the first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Um, this week is someone who hasn't been on the show in a while. Joel Embiid um, comes up, which is surprising that he has not been on because he's always saying something. Um, and he had this to say um, at the most recent 76ers game. He said, quote, when I look at where we are and uh, when we got most of the team in the lineup, especially me in the lineup, then we are 21 and nine. That's not bad. That's up there with one of the best records in the NBA. So all that tells me is that we just got to stay healthy and keep doing what we've been doing. I feel pretty good. I don't think we've played our best basketball yet. We've still got a long way to go. We're missing guys here and there that could really help us. There's no real, um, there's really no urgency to change anything. I think we've got everything we need. We're going to keep on going and I'm happy. Let's break that down. So Ellie, knowing all that's going on with the 76ers right now with the Ben Simmons situation, what does he mean by that? I think I feel like it's, it's like straightforward. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's you, you look at it and you're like, Oh, or you hear it and you're like, that could be a dig. Mm-hmm. Maybe to Simmons, but I don't, I don't think it is necessarily. I think it's, I think it's, they've gone through a lot, like just kind of with the whole drama of what happened. And I think they really have found themselves as a team currently. And I think he's, he's more kind of just expressing that excitement of like, yeah, we're really like finding our flow and we've got, playmakers on the court and when we when we're all in sync and we're all out there like we can make it work um and obviously it really it starts with Embiid because he's right. the leader of the team so I, I mean it makes sense like the proof is there when he's on the floor I think they're like they have like a, a whatever you just said like a 21, 21 and, nine. and nine yeah yeah so I mean the, the proof is there like he's on the court they're better and it's true because he just does so much and he's such a big dude too mm-hmm. that it's like how do you how do you handle him um both offensively and defensively but I just feel like it's it's more just kind of an excitement of like 
at, at a point, you know, they're, they're probably thinking like, this is a little nerve wracking, like with the whole Simmons situation and, and the drama with that. But I think he's, it's more just like an excitement of like, I feel like we're really kind of finding our rhythm and hopefully, you know, with, they can, um, kind of navigate some injuries. Cause I know that, um, that Matisse, he's just like hurt his shoulder. Cause he had that nasty fall. And again, yeah, that didn't look good at all. Yeah. Oh, so bad. Um, you never want to see that. And Danny green, I know is dealing with some stuff. So just as long as they can stay healthy. And I know Embiid was battling COVID for a while too, uh, like really bad. He had the best quote for that. He's like that John was terrible or something. Like he, <laughs> he used a total Philly slang for it, yeah. which was amazing. Um, but I just feel like it's, it's almost like a confidence thing where they just, he feels very confident in the team. And it's that excitement of like, we can really make something special and, and maybe get over that hump. And I don't know if, if this is the year that they do get over that hump. I think that they still need like another season to get it all together. But I think it's just an excitement of like where the team is at right now and, and just getting the necessary wins that they've gotten or, or being close in some, like, I know that they had a bad loss to the Hornets, but the Hornets are really good this year too. So Exciting. I think it's excitement of, of where they're at and what the future holds. And it'll be interesting with the trade deadline, like what, they do with Simmons and what happens. Yeah, it, it's so interesting. And I think that the 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 big thing, what you, what you said, and it, it was something I had already been thinking about too, and I totally agree with you, is the confidence that this gives the teams. I think that one of the things that I was super interested in about this whole storyline coming into the season, because we knew preseason that Simmons wanted out, and then going forward was, is how would the team react to losing an all-star level player essentially like it's so weird to say they lost him because he's still technically there, but he's not there. Um, so basically losing an all-star level player, him saying he didn't necessarily go full James Harden and say that, you know, you guys aren't good enough or Jimmy Butler in the, in the case of what he did too. But he also didn't come out and say, you know, these guys are great, but I just want something else. You know what I mean? So it's a tough thing. Like, so as a teammate, how do you kind of go forward with your confidence level, knowing that you've still got a job to do and you guys still have really good players on the team. You're still led. Your, your best player is still there and Joel Embiid. So like, how do you move forward? That was super interesting to me. And it feels like they have found their way in trying to figure out how to make that work. And I think that that's where the part of like, there's no, there's really no urgency to change anything. Part of the quote comes in um, from Embiid. And it's really interesting to me because what, what had been the big thing that their GM had been saying about the whole situation um, with Ben Simmons, we've got to get another superstar back um, to do this. Your star player is basically telling you, no, you really don't. Like, if you get some guys that compliment us, then this can we can also make this work too. And I think that's a really interesting, like, confidence move. Is that actually true? <laughs> we'll see. Like, is that enough to get them past the Bucks? I don't know. But stranger things have happened. Like, you have a when you have a dominant player like you do in Joel Embiid, and if you actually have other pieces that fit around him you can go a long way. Like you can, you can really do some stuff with that. No, for sure. And I mean, like Tyrese Maxey has been good for them too. Like, I guess he's, he's kind of filled in that role, I guess, almost of like not having Simmons, but I agree with you. Like the part, like you said, there's no urgency. That's why I'm kind of interested what they do like at the trade deadline, because I don't think just from like what I was reading, I don't think they necessarily are like trying to deal Simmons and get, like you said, another superstar in return or someone, I think it's more just 
they're like, okay, let's try to build around what we have and like, just kind of see what we can do with Simmons, like at that trade deadline. But it is, it is interesting because it's like at first when it all happened, you know, there was obviously going to be this tension and, 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 and Bede came out and, and said stuff about Simmons that was negative. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but then he came back later. And I think he said like, you know, that's, that's my brother still, or that's like yeah. our brother. And so it's just like, it's hard. Cause it's like family, you know, uh, you go through a lot. They've been through a lot together and stuff, but. Um, and like they said, were part of the, they were the two guys like built up to be the ones that brought that franchise back. Like they were the whole reason the process existed so that they could like get them and then have this work. And you, you that's a good point though about the family and all the stuff they've been through. Cause you can think back and it feels like it was a long time ago, but it really wasn't like think back to the, the time of both of those guys having their different injury situations and then fighting through that to be healthy on the court together. And then like, like it's been a lot, <laughs> like it really has been, um, which is also why I feel like the chat, that chapter, is over like I, I don't think that there's really any coming back from this I think that you're gonna have to trade Simmons it's whether it's just yeah. it, it's just interesting because like they put because Ben Simmons has put them in an interesting position not just because he is so public about wanting the trade that's one thing but mm-hmm. the way that his game sets up and the like strengths and weaknesses of his game are so pronounced (laughs) that it makes it to where he's not a fit everywhere, right? And so you almost have to take him into a situation that that team is rebuilding but then is he going to be happy with that? And then if you're t- if you're the Sixers, do you want players from a team that's rebuilt? Yeah. Like it's just a it's such a weird situation to make that trade, and it almost guarantees that they're not getting an All Star level player back. That's why I thought that that was foolish to begin with. That they would end up getting like Daryl Morey saying we have to have an All Star level player coming back. Like, that rarely rarely happens. Right, and it's not always necessary too. I mean, it's it's so much just about fit like you see with the Lakers they get tons of superstars and it doesn't work out always like it's just a lot of personality and a lot of different style of play you have to find it where it it meshes really well and and sometimes you find those guys that aren't necessarily all-stars but they're like peaking at the right time like Miles Bridges has had a great year and and doing great stuff with in Charlotte and you got LaMelo in there and like all the pieces are just working really well for them right now but it's just, yeah. I mean, like you said, you just look at the Lakers and it's not always, it's not always like, Oh man, like I think people are realizing that now it's not always a superstar roster. It's going to make the difference. And like when Boogie went to the Warriors, it's like, they're unstoppable now. Well, right. like they stopped them and they still have a lot of talent there, but it's, it's just about finding the pieces that work. And I, I, I mean, I look at Philly and the East is, is hard. Like you said, like, can yeah, they, they got teams coming up. Yeah. It's hard, but I feel like they're in a good spot. Um, and it's not necessarily like, like you were saying, they need to go out and get another superstar. Just, just work with what you got and see what you can, you can build from there and trust the process. That, that is correct. Trust the process. A good way to bring that back in. Um, but it, uh, I, I was going to try to make it through this without a Lakers rant. Um, actually, I wasn't because uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> no, I put on blast was going to be is, is Lakers related. Um, but I'll say that for the end. Um, 
we knew, I knew um, that the Lakers were doing the wrong thing with the Russell Westbrook situation. But the problem is, is that they wanted to have another big name and a superstar. The guys they needed to get was Buddy Heald because not because he's like some like magical superstar, but because his skill set fit what they needed. And sometimes in team building, and this really goes, really goes across life um, and across all sorts of industries, sometimes you don't need the biggest name, you need the best fit. Right. Like, and this comes up in all sorts of walks of life and all sorts of different sports. Like you just, you have to be able to evaluate fit. And it's why the, the Warriors, the team you referenced them earlier, why they have been so successful and continue to be successful now, even in this kind of next phase of their um, time with Steph, is that the pieces fit better, right? Like the, the, that thing with the Hornets, first of all, like league pass alert team, like you've got to watch them because uh, they're just so much fun. And I feel like every night on Twitter, I'm seeing some sort of crazy LaMelo um, highlight. And it, it's just, he's just so much fun to watch. And that team just looks like they're having a blast. Um, playing but that's what you're after right like you're after that type of situation where it can kind of grow organically the bulls you we kind of brought them up like they're kind of in a similar situation right what they've got building um and so yeah like you just have to it's all about fit and trying to make sure that you have the pieces that fit together and complement each other absolutely and i'm glad that you did mention the bulls because it's like i mean they're first in the east right now mm-hmm. like they had a hot was it a hot like december maybe or like yeah I mean, they just like it. They're a team that I have not got to watch yet, but I've been excited to check them out. I mean, because DeMar DeRozan, like, oh, that was like, the other guy that the Lakers could have had. Yeah. 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 And everyone's <laughs> like great. scratching their head. I remember, of like, why do you want DeRozan? Like, okay. And then they get um, uh, uh, Lonzo, and yeah. that was like, it's worked out. Like, it, it's worked out. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean like they're going to win the title this year, but it's like they're winning games. That's, right. that's what you want. You want to give yourself a chance. So it's, 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 it's fascinating because it's like, we've, I feel like you, you look back even five years ago. And like I said, it's like the super team idea, but it's like, I think we're starting to realize now it's not always about, you know, who has the most superstars on the team. It's just what fits who's peaking and, and, and what you can work with and the system and, and all that. So it's, it's an exciting time though, for sure. Like just with, with the league right now and just, like where certain teams are at, like, like you mentioned the, the Hornets being good and the Bulls being good. It's like, Oh, it's seen the clay back with the Warriors. I'm super happy about that. We'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah. And, and the Bucks doing their thing. We'll see what happens with the Lakers, but it's always fun. The NBA is so fun. That's why it's like, you know, you, you have some of the, the older generation of like NBA is just not the same. It's not what it used to be. And it's like, it's like, I, I understand that the game has changed, but it's like, it's still super exciting to me. Oh, yeah. It's different, you know, it's, it's fun to watch this league because there's just so much talent and you're like, gosh, who's going to win it at the end? Like, who's going to have, who's going to ho- hoist the trophy? Like, yeah, I think the league is in a great place, especially when it comes to the, that young talent. Um, but, and, and we'll see. It'll be a fun thing to, to watch going forward of kind of how everything shakes out. Because I'm with you on, like, seeing those younger teams in the East, especially um, with the Bulls and the Hornets um, making their run, seeing what the Warriors are doing. Like, it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's still, like, a lot left out there because the trade deadline, I feel like it, it either goes bonkers or nothing happens. And I feel like this year we might get a crazy year. Um, at least I'm hoping 
hoping for that. Um, maybe the Lakers find a way to get rid of Russ. We'll see. I'm, I'm hoping. Well, we'll we're not. Uh, there's no wood in here, but I'm, I'm knocking on wood metaphorically right now. It's fine. I'm trying. I'm trying to be patient, but it, it's not working out. Um, we're going to shift gears. Um, because speaking of, of the puzzle pieces fitting together, Nebraska football. <laughs> they are trying to make the puzzle pieces fit together uh, this offseason because uh, there have been a lot of moving parts. There have been a whole lot of things happening with Nebraska football. Um, but I actually, I'm going to back up and backtrack from the offseason for a second. Ellie, this is your first year um, covering Nebraska football. And I am always so fascinated talking to people that when it's their first year doing it, when I had Steve Mark, who's our newest staff writer on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, I specifically waited until after the season because I wanted to get his feeling on like what this was all like. So I'm going to have to ask you basically the same way. Like what was the roller coaster of covering Nebraska football like for you? Oh man. I mean, it was definitely, it was exciting just like through the whole journey it was exciting definitely in the beginning. And I think, I mean, the whole season for me, just cause it's always really fun to cover a new team, but mm-hmm. seeing Memorial stadium for the first time, like stadium is incredible. And that's what I've told everyone I've talked mm-hmm. to, you know, and I've, I've been lucky to go see some really incredible big 10 stadiums and in college football stadiums. And I'm like, I think Memorial stadium is like right up there with them. It's just such a unique environment when you get everyone in there and especially seeing the night games yeah. was like that's always unreal but it was definitely it was always fun and it was overwhelming definitely at first like that first game I'm like who who are these guys like you know I'm just they're like oh go get so-and-so and And I'm like is is this so-and-so like I don't I don't know who everyone really is except for like Adrian Martinez like that's really the only guy I know so it was fun for me and a challenge like you know learning like the offensive lineman defensive lineman like your dbs like everyone's names and stuff but um, you know, it was like, it's, it's hard. Cause you're, you're so excited in the moment in these games when they're playing teams like Michigan and teams like Ohio state competitively, and you're like, is this it? Like, is this, are they finally going to get, you know, cause you're like, they have to be one of these teams in, in Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, Wisconsin. Like you're like one, one of them, like they just have to, or Iowa maybe. And mm-hmm. so I, I think to me though, like it was obviously disappointing when they've come so close in so many games and don't get it. But I think you still got this sense. What was like inspiring to me was they just kind of kept pushing through and it's hard, you know, like players and coaches are asked each week, like what's going on? Like, why are you not getting over that hump? And I think they're scratching their heads too. Like I, they're like, we're, I don't know. We're trying to figure it out kind of thing, but it was still like inspiring for me to see that it seemed like the confidence they still tried their best, especially the players to keep that confidence high and and believe in themselves. And, you know, they'll look back on the season and it'll definitely be disappointing, but I think that they can be proud with just that ability to still stay motivated and focused throughout the season and finish, even if it wasn't the result that they wanted at all. But so I think that was fun for me just to kind of see like, there's still like a lot of optimism, even when you look at them and and the losses they had and being so close and how heartbreaking it was. Like you would think that they might just get to a point where they quit, but I really didn't see any sort of quit in this team. And that to me is really inspiring because it's like, there are certain teams you see and there is that quit, but I think it was just like the mistakes really are what cost them the season in the end. Um, But that's what makes me excited about 
this next year is just like that, that optimism. And I know obviously we're going to be missing a lot of guys that I wish could have had a couple <laughs> more wins this year. Cause it's like, they just played their absolute hearts out out there. And so, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely fun to cover them. And, and I, gosh, I just wish that they could have made a bowl game or something that would have been fun. Like that's, I'm like, that's baby steps. Like <laughs> let's see if they can get, get to a bowl next season, but it was really fun for me to be back and cover the big 10 and, and all that. So, yeah, it's really, it's, <laughs> it's tough to see like on one hand, it's really tough to see like on a human level, people go through what this team went through over this last season. Um, Especially when you get, once you get like uh, to know a lot of the players and you get, especially kind of in my, because of my role of doing recruiting, like I get to know these guys like way before they become known to basically everyone else. Right. And so, and Adrian Martinez isn't the best example because when he first burst onto the scene, like he's the, he's a quarterback. So everybody was known, but like, I knew him from like the moment Nebraska started recruiting him all the way through all everything that happened to the see that whole ebb and flow. And like you said, to not see those guys have that success just on a human level is tough Um, Mm -hmm. to not see them have it because of like the repeated mistakes was, was tough as well. And and it's just, it's hard um, because on one hand, um, as I've said often on the show, that, that is a coaching issue in my mind. Um, and it's not, it's something that either you're like allowing to happen or you're not, or you're coaching it to happen. Right. And so you have to kind of figure that out. Um, and I think that that's where it's perfect to kind of think about what's happening now with the team and all of the transition that they're going through. I think there's a lot of kind of net positives, um, with what's happening, because one of the things that I like to kind of think about with coaching staffs and kind of putting them together, we were talking about the right fits, right. And the right pieces when we were talking about the NBA, that is very important when it comes to building a coaching staff. And I think that one of the things that this coaching staff maybe lacked, um, and didn't just didn't have enough of, especially on the offensive side of the ball, was enough voices to be able to challenge Scott Frost or be able to bring strong ideas to the table. And I think that we've all kind of been in situations in workplaces where you see that, right? Where you see or have a manager or a boss where that person likes to put their ideas out there and they like to have um, everything kind of go their way. But then mm-hmm. if they're challenged, eh, don't like that so much. And you have to, I think, to be an effective leader. I think you have to have a little bit of that give and take, right? Like I think that you have to be able to accept those ideas and either not everything like that is an attack, right? You have to be able to take that feedback and say, maybe Mickey Joseph has a better way of doing whatever, right? Maybe Mickey Joseph has an idea of how we should be going about recruiting. And maybe I should take that. Maybe Mark Whipple has an idea about kind of in-game adjustments or game planning or what have you. Maybe, you know, new running backs coach, Applewhite, maybe he has an idea of the type of running back that we're going to need in this conference all of those things, right? Like, I think there's a lot there of trying to mold that staff. And that's where I'm kind of really interested in what's happening right now. The transfers are the transfers. They, they're going to have to hit a bunch of them because like you mentioned, with so, losing so many of those guys um, and guys that have played a lot of football, right? Like you're losing some guys. Like when you just start ticking them off, like you think about Damian Daniels and JoJo and Cam Taylor-Britt, Adrian, we talked about Cam Jurgens. Like we can keep going. Like- right. 
those guys started a lot of games. So you're going to need those transfers that have played college football elsewhere to come in and hit the ground running. And there's just a lot of stuff that we're going to throw it into the pot to hope yeah. that it comes out. Well, you hope for them that it does, um, but boy, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think though you hit the nail on the head with, it really does start with getting a good coaching staff, especially mm-hmm the way that this last year went and, you know, once season ended, since it ended early for Nebraska, we're all kind of antsy, just sort of waiting for like, all right, when's that, you know, you knew the offensive coordinator was going to be the first one that that they needed to answer. Like who's this, who's the new OC going to be and what's, what's his role maybe going to be, which we'll, we'll kind of have to see as the season goes on, but it's like, um, it, it really started with like Nebraska just needed to get, a good coaching foundation right. in there. Um, and I think that they've done a phenomenal job with it. I mean, getting Mark Whipple as the OC was huge because it's like you said, you need coaches in there that are going to challenge Scott Frost in a way where it's constructive for the team. Right. And I think you pick a perfect candidate and an offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple, who's older and has had so much experience in the college level and at the NFL level with like a lot of elite talent and he's older and just more experienced so it's like you know it's not like because Lubick was like one of Scott Frost's boys like it's, it's right. hard that's stuff. tough you know, that is really, really tough. tough but now it's like and I know that they've they've had this relationship but it's different where I think he like Frost is kind of looking to Whipple for like some of that guidance and and will really listen to his ideas and same with Mickey Joseph with the re- recruiting standpoint of things so it's like it's really like on paper and everything, it just seems so perfect. That's why it's like, oh man, like the season can't get here any sooner because it's like, I just can't wait to see how it all kind of flows together. But I, I, I feel really good with the Whipple hire just because you're, you're bringing in an, a guy who's just had so much experience where you feel like Frost will kind of like take that step back, hopefully a little bit and just like right. see what that input is with him. And, and yeah, so it's exciting. Yeah. I, I, They've, they've impressed for sure. For me personally, I feel impressed with the hires. Yeah. I've, I've liked the, the majority of, of what's happening. Um, were you there the day, the day for the, um, the signing day, the early signing day press conference where we almost all got blown away. Were you there? Um, no, I wasn't, but I did go back later and listen. I only listened to Joseph and Whipples and I didn't even finish fully listening to them, but got like a little, probably listened to about like, 10 or 15 minutes of each of them, but no, I wasn't. I wish, okay. I wish I would have though. Cause it was really cool. Just how they had them all out. Yeah. There. That, that was super interesting. I really liked that. Not just from a, like a work and content point of view. It's awesome. But like from a, just like to be able to get to like, get to know those guys a little bit and hear from them. Yeah. But the reason I asked was, is, and, but it's good. Cause you still listen to it. So it's fine. Like, Whipple was different than I thought he was going to be like I had he had been kind of like it to me it from afar like had not having met him but prior to that it was oh okay he's kind of the older like statesman it's kind of maybe a little quieter um mm-hmm. that wasn't really the case at all um yep. and so I have after meeting him I have no like hesitation that if he thinks that something is off he's gonna let people know um and 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 because it's part of there's two things it's one that like you get a little older you know you lose your ass to give right two because you've like seen so much and he's done a lot and accomplished a lot things don't rattle him the same way right and I think that that is something that will be like largely valuable 
to the staff when it comes to get, like a lot of things, but game planning and especially in game situations. Like I think the, and um, the frost factor of being able to listen and, and kind of being able to take that feedback and say, okay, this guy's an authority uh, on offensive football. Um, yeah. So that makes that, that to me, I find, I think of all, all the things going on, I, I think that the offensive coordinator and frost kind of pairing and how that relationship works I think it's just so interesting. Um, and we're going to see kind of how that ends up playing out in practice um, once we get going here. Like before we know it, spring football will be here. Um, so actually, I think it, it starts the last week of February. I think oh I'm, I'm not 100% sure they've announced that. But I think that it's the, the last week of February is I think that when that's going to happen. Um, and so it's always here before you know it because we're still in the, the sprint to the end of recruiting, um, yeah. which There's means that we'll on that front too yeah so so much because it's really it's one of those things too where nebraska when you're talking about nebraska's recruiting for the 2022 cycle like you have to look at like their high school and junior college recruiting and their transfer portal recruiting and they're separate but they end up being the same because in like really those portal guys are going to be the guys that helped nebraska football in 2022 which is why i think there's been such an interest and focus on who's coming in from the portal um, and with, so this go, this will go live, obviously Tuesday morning, we recorded on Monday, spoiler alert, but like the uh, classes start on Tuesday, right? Um, the 18th. So Nebraska is going to want guys to be here for winter conditioning and for the start of, um, the spring semester. Like it, it's just, there's so much happening all at the same time that it always makes for, and I always say this to people, especially people that are newer covering the team. Like there's no off season for Nebraska football. Like that doesn't exist i hope you were not expecting to break like it does not happen when oh, it comes it's great though because it's like it's more news and more content and right. more interest of, of stuff happening so i love that it's kind of we're still talking about and it's so big for them too with just the way that the season ended and the talent that was lost and the new coaching hires needed like you knew it wasn't all just gonna be done and then that was that it's like right. it's, it's an ongoing process still especially with you know, seeing the the guys that they're going to get from the portal. Cause I know we're still waiting on a couple. And like you said, classes starting today. Cause it's all air Tuesday. <laughs> right. There you go. I appreciate you. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Um, so, and I know that there's been some stuff with Deandre Jackson, this running back from Texas A&M of him. I guess they wanted him to be in classes for the spring semester, but he's not going to be because of academic stuff at, so he's got to stay in college station for this last semester or something. So that's essentially and- what happened. Like he asked that it, it's one of the stranger situations that I've ever seen um, because it, he it committed to Nebraska on Tuesday, came mm-hmm. in on Friday for an official visit. The full picture of the academics got revealed on Friday realize and, it, and i'm not saying that he hit it i don't know for sure who discovered that or how that happened mm-hmm. um it turns out that he isn't eligible um to play anywhere so he's going to have to he's still committed to nebraska hoping to get to nebraska in the summer mm-hmm. but he has to go back to college station to get his grades right to then become eligible to then transfer out and for him, for his sake, hopefully come to Nebraska. Now, I will say this because I've been asked all weekend about this when Twitter mentions are still on fire about this because I was one of the first people to report that he was not coming. Um, 
it does not necessarily mean that he's guaranteed to still end up at Nebraska. Um, it, it's kind of dependent on, you know, he could change his mind. Nebraska may or may not have space at that point. They took another running back in Anthony Grant over the weekend. Um, Juco kid who will be here uh, for the start of spring semester. He'll be here today as of, you know, Tuesday um, <laughs> when this goes live. So we'll see. We'll kind of see how that goes. That'll be something that we end up monitoring the situation. Um, I would be surprised if he ends up making it to Nebraska. That's just my feeling. We'll see. Yeah. And like you said, the grant thing was, was big because it's like, I'm like, I know this name and it was because, you know, he went to New Mexico military Institute and they played Iowa Western in the national championship. So before that game, you know, I'm doing my research and before I go over and talk to Iowa Western, just about the game. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, all right. So like, what's New Mexico military Institute all about? And it's like their um, semifinal game against Northwest Mississippi community college. And like, obviously coming from Mississippi, like Juco football's, big down there and there's a lot of talented teams and I just see that Anthony Grant ran for like 400 and something 438 28 yards and five touchdowns in that game it's like whoa like that jumps out so that's obviously a big talking point to ask the Reavers about and and um and they were Strohmeyer was like yeah this whole week we've just been like 428 yards or however many like to the guys because they're like he's coming like so I mean it's a it's a on paper, it's a big get. I haven't really like analyzed him too much as a player, but I mean, it seems, it seems like a solid get. It seems yeah. like exactly what you wanted to tap into the Juco, to tap into the transfer portal. Like that's, that's big. You got to get guys that have had that experience. So it's, I hope that it, it really like he, the talent transcends, I hope to the big 10. Cause yeah, it seems like, it seems like on, on paper and film, a little bit of film that I've watched with him, like very good so right yeah and I think that Nebraska needs to as uh, he was the sixth scholarship running back including Emma Johnson who came in uh well signed in December he'll be here in the summer um they need a guy right like that was one of the dominant storylines going back to really last spring we knew that they needed a bell cow guy running back didn't happen through the season we're gonna have to see that's gonna be a storyline and a huge one um, for this spring football as well. Something we'll definitely be talking about. Um, but we'll see. We'll kind of see how that goes. There are so many, there are so many layers <laughs> to go through um, with Nebraska football. But every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put somebody on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. It's my favorite segment. I'm going to let Ellie go first on this one because I'm fascinated to see who you put on blast. Cause as you guys know, listen to the show, we've had a wide range of things and people being put on blast. So Ellie, who are you going to put on blast? Okay. I feel like Greg, you have to have some sort of indication of who I'm going to put on blast, maybe based on the sweatshirt. I know you yeah. won't be, able to, but I'm wearing my 49ers sweatshirt right now. And I, yeah. I feel like I'm like, maybe he's going to put him on blast too, but it's so fresh in my mind. We have to talk about the 49er Dallas game on Sunday because that ending was insane. And obviously as a 49er fan, I'm like, you know, trying to breathe over in the corner at work and just, you know, like hyperventilating, stress eating, like, Oh my God, Oh my God, what's going to happen. But I, I, and I don't know, maybe I specifically put Dak Prescott on blast for that final play of what happened, but you know, the whole scenario for anyone that didn't watch it, and I'm sure everyone knows, but it's like they had a QB draw that they ran with like 14 seconds left, I think. Dak Prescott picks up the first down, but the clock's still running. And so, you know, they need to set the ball and and, and spike it to try and stop the clock. Well, I guess after Dak got the first down, he handed the ball to a center to set it when 
he needs to hand it to the ref to set it. And so the refs, you know, sprinting downfield and they're getting all set up and the refs like, I, I got to get through it. I got to set this ball. Well, by the time he sets it and spikes it, time runs out. So, you know, just from like what I was reading, the whole thing was, it's like, why didn't Dak give the ball to the ref? Like, I know that they, they practice these types of scenarios in right. practice. And so, and I know it's a big game and there's a lot going on, but it's like, I don't know if I put Dak Prescott on blast for not giving the ball to the ref where I put like Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys on blast for the, the play calling near the end. But it's like that whole scenario near the end, I'm putting on blast. Cause it's like, what happened? Like what, like what happened basically? So yeah, that's, can, that's how I'm on blast. I mean, they all can go. I mean, we could extend it. Like Dallas fans could go on blast and throw stuff on the field. No. Um, we uh, Dallas fans could also go on blast for being obnoxious uh, throughout the season because every year, of course, it's the Cowboys year. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, we could probably, if we really wanted to, find a reason to put Jerry Jones on blast. Like there's there's always something lurking in the shadows. So like we could do that too. Um, and I knew you were going to go there with the 49ers, uh, which is why I saved that for this and to not uh, mention it during the main part of the show um, because that situation was fascinating there were a ton of funny memes about the refs and the amount of time that they took um, to get that ball set um, but it's one of those things too where like no one's going to feel bad for the well I don't say no one Cowboys fans feel bad but outside of Cowboys fans people aren't going to feel bad for the Cowboys because folks just don't like them um it's just a really interesting situation and it's kind of a funny one um but yeah all of those blasts are warranted like that that's totally fine like they're all I mean because at that point like leading up to that last play they were getting the ball getting the first down getting out of bounds like they were moving like the 49ers defense was very caught off guard and I mean 49ers have a ton of just secondary issues and <laughs> cliche and whatnot. I can go on for hours about that, but they were moving the ball well. So it's just kind of like a really weird play call there and just a really funky situation and way to end the game. Um, but yeah, just a lot going on. I mean, I'm happy because <laughs> right. it wasn't a perfect performance for them by any means, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's almost like, like you said, no one really is too angry because they're like, oh, it's the Cowboys. And, you know, it's disappointing near the end with the the throwing of the bottles and trash yeah. on the field and almost hitting Demarcus Lawrence. Who yeah, had been, like, deflected with his helmet. Like, he just went like, just lifted up his helmet, bounced yeah. right off and just kept walking. Like, that's Nothing. up there with that one where was it Lane Kiffin that caught the water <laughs> bottle with <laughs> the, the Tennessee like situation? Um, that was up like, there. Yeah. Only like Lane Kiffin can make it be that smooth and make yeah, it happen. Yeah, that, that was crazy too. But I'm I'm putting that whole just last play and and last 14 seconds of the game, or I should say the last at least five seconds of the game because for 14 seconds when I mean, you picked up the first down or however long it took, it was looking good, but. That was just a whole, whole mess for sure. <laughs> so it, def it definitely was. Um, but speaking of whole messes, for my blast, where I'm, I alluded to this earlier, I'm going with Russell Westbrook. Here's the thing. 
I I like Russell Westbrook as a guy, okay? And I feel like there's this running joke on Twitter now, especially within Lakers Twitter, where um, every time Russell Westbrook messes up, people that, like, want to defend him bring up that he's a family man, um, which is true. Um, and in both cases, yes, they bring up that he's a family man, and yes, he is a family man, so which is great, fine, cool, but I want, just want you to play better, man. Like, he had the quotes, he had two different quotes um, recently, um, one about basketball being kind of secondary because he's just happy to be back around with his family. Again, the family man, which is cool. That's great. But he also had another quote where he was kind of um, clapping back at Magic Johnson, who said that the Lakers deserve better or that Jeannie Buss deserved better and that they were basically playing like trash, which is true. Magic Johnson, the greatest tweeter of all time, by the way. Um, like, didn't like him when he was running the team, or I didn't like him running the team, um, but he's the greatest tweeter of all time. Only person yeah. that could ever say, essentially, I need to quit this job because the, the life of just being Magic Johnson is better than having this, like, prestigious job. Like, that's amazing. Um, um, and so Magic said that stuff about the team. Russell Westbrook didn't necessarily like that, but he said he was trying to be respectful and say, you know, he's entitled to his opinion. Um, but Magic was right. Um, they are playing like trash. And a large part of that is, is that the Russell thing just isn't working. Mm. And part of that is just his reluctance to, and it's not even change his game. It, it's just his reluctance to even recognize that something is wrong like he just feels like he doesn't even quite understand that hey maybe you should not be bricking all these mid-range shots like you should not take them all the time or you should stop having you know seven eight nine turnovers a game um because you you just especially with anthony davis out like it's just not going to work in that way now he'll come back and maybe and, and having you know what top wherever you place Anthony Davis seven or eight player in the world will obviously help the team um but boy I, I really wish that they had gotten Buddy healed, which would have been the perfect situation or even now it's hindsight but even DeMar DeRozan um because I feel like DeRozan is also a guy that just would go back to that fit and putting the pieces together would have been a guy that would have found a way to make it work versus mm -hmm. trying to do what he's always done and hope that it all fell into place around him, which is what I feel like Russell Westbrook is doing, uh, which, of course, everyone warned me about um, and being excited about the move to begin with. So for all of those reasons and many more, Russell Westbrook has to go on blast. That's very fair, Greg. It's very fair. And I think, like, Brody's just been so used to being, like, the playmaker and the dude yeah. to, to put the team on his back that it's like you go to a team like the Lakers where you've got – LeBron James it's like that's kind of like his job to put the team on. right that's LeBron James right there so you kind of have to be like just like one of those chess pieces and kind of just help where you can type thing um so like you said hindsight 2020 but yeah it just didn't it just didn't work out unfortunately and, and I still like you I still I still really like Russell Westbrook and that's the problem that's what makes it so frustrating is that I really like him as a yeah. dude I I just can't. The basketball fit is just not there. Yeah. And that'll be interesting. Like with the trade deadline, like where, where he could maybe move. Cause do you think they will try and see what they can or is it I think it's going to be tough. Like, I mean, obviously you're going to have to have LeBron James blessing to do that. Right. And Anthony Davis and like oh, they're friends and like, it's just going to be, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It really would have to, I think it would really have to be a LeBron and AD like not necessarily driven thing, but they're going to have to go to the front office of Rob Polinka and be like, hey, 
just go ahead and, and bite the bullet and do it. But then what can you even get? Cause that contract is so bad. And it, it's just, yeah. they made a mistake in, in how they built that team. And it, and it goes back to, and this is in the Lakers DNA of always wanting the stars and I get it. And I've benefited from this forever and it's fine. It usually works out in the end. Um, and, and so it's cool, but at the same time, in this particular instance, it didn't have to be that way. Um, and it's honestly not how they won the most recent championship, right? They didn't win that because they had a third star. They won it because they had those other shooters around AD and LeBron. Those guys got hot. Um, and then Anthony and LeBron were able to take over, right? Like that's how they won. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. I, I'm every day. I'm waiting for that Woj alert uh, that, or Shams that that Russell is, that the whispers are beginning that Russell's on the block. We'll see. We'll see. I know it. I mean, I don't even know when the is it like February or is it? I think it's in February. I think it comes up in February. So it'll it'll happen for sure. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I hope. I mean, obviously, I'm like a Warriors fan, so I'm like. I'm like I'm fine with with, with, with <laughs> right, I'm totally cool with it. I'm fine with what's going. No, I'm just kidding. But um, you know, it's I, the Lakers are still like such a classic team, and so it's like you want to. I I personally like when they're successful, but not not too successful. You know, I mean, we need them to be very successful. It's always funny because I'm always getting made fun of because I was like, man, it had been like ten long years. Like the Lakers hadn't won a championship. Like. It was just weighing on me. Like, I was just like, I went through such a hard time. People are like, come on, man. What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, they're like, all right. Um, <laughs> like, you know. I know. That's why it's like with, with the Warriors. I'm like, yeah, like the clay injury sucked and the step injury and just being like a, a bad team again. But it's like, come on. Like, they had such an amazing run. And, and you know, like, they'll get back to, you know, where they want to be. It's just a matter of staying healthy. And, right. And hopefully, because it's like they still have Steve Kerr, who's just like so great, in my right. opinion, coach. And so, yeah, so we'll see. I gotta watch more NBA though. Like I, I gotta try <laughs> to make some time for it and watch more NBA. I agree. I actually need to like this is a this is usually about the time where it really picks up for me. Like I always get really excited at the beginning of the year, and then it it just can't because football season is happening. Um, and so yeah. it just gets, kind of gets pushed to the back burner. And then this time of year, like recruiting has not necessarily slowed down but like as it starts to taper off here over the next month um I'll, I'll end up picking it back up so yeah we'll see there's a lot to there's a lot to check out yeah for sure no and it's the second half of the season now so it's kind of right where it gets fun anyway so right absolutely yeah. all right that's going to do it for us today subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them rate us and leave us a five-star review if you only leave four i'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that uh, make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure you're checking out the Hill Varsity uh, YouTube page. I'm back on there with another recruiting question video of the week. Erin was back this week um, from vacation, so we welcome her back nicely. You can also find us on Twitter at Greg Smith HB and at Ellie French TV. You can email the show at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com. I will catch y'all next week. A Huda Media Production.